So we're going to start off with, this is not the main of what I want to talk about, but I just wanted to make us real happy. So we'll start with that. It's an interesting pasuk over here. It says that um, Avraham is with Sarah, and Avraham is a little nervous. He's a little nervous because he says like this, they went down to Egypt, and when they came close to Egypt, it says, Vayome el Sorai Ishtam, and Avram says to Sora, his wife, Sora, his wife, he named no Yodati, behold, I now know. He ishi yafas toar, are yafas marat, are you pretty? Now, yafas toar, you're not going to be able to do this. I'm telling you right now, we're going to have to take this off. They'll, they'll throw me out of Queens. As it is, as it is, they're upset with me with Dunkin' Donuts. So, Yafas Toar means, Toar means shapely. So, when the terminology is used, Yafas Toar, there's two terms, Yafas Toar and Yafas Mara. Yafas Toar means that her body is attractive. Yafas Mara means your skin and your features are attractive. Two different things. But whatever. So, so, whatever. So, it says over here, he says, that you're an attractive woman. And you know, when the Egyptians see you, and they find out that you're my wife, See, they're going to kill me, and then they'll take you, because, of course, they're very morally just people. Because if you want to have an affair with somebody, it's much better to kill the husband, you know. Because that's like, he just happened to fall off the Verrazano Bridge. It's nobody's fault. He, everybody strolls in the middle of the night on the Verrazano Bridge, you know. And, and then you just happen to take her, right? That's like, you know. So the Kashi is, Rashi is, and Ra- Rashi addresses it. What does it mean that he now he sees that Mara, uh, that she's pretty, right? So you remember what Rashi says. Rashi says on this, yeah, Medrash There's a Medrash that says, "Ad lo Till now, I I didn't see you. because like she was very tznia, so she wore a veil all day. Actually, but now I recognize you because she was near the water. There was some kind of uh, mirror image that she he saw. So now, this is why you can't do the tape. <laughs> because it's going to sound like I'm making fun a little bit, but I'm not. I was just at a wedding. The halacha is that the chassan has to see the kala. You have that's a halacha. It's not. It's not just like you know, like. You can't be a Taliban. You can't. We don't allow Taliban marriages. You know? Now, I remember I was walking in Yerushalayim and I saw these Taliban Hasidim. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're, they're, they're not Hasidim. They're not. They're, they're off. They're Rabbi, it might solve the Shura crisis. Yeah, well, the <laughs> Taliban. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's not only that, but for all the married people here, and for those people who are single, they could know this also. When you're married, you're not supposed. That's a, 
You're not supposed, you're not supposed to have sex with clothing on. So the concept of her having a veil on her head or covering, like, how does that work? How does that work? Also, it makes it sound like like that Avram Avinu wasn't in this world, right? I mean, he married for somebody. How long? How many years we're talking about already? You know, the first. Let's say you get married and you're some kind of freak. So you you think you're some oh, I don't even know whatever. So for 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 a month you don't recognize your wife. You married already for twenty? How long? Seriously, at this point, they're married for how 50 long? Fifty or whatever. So so. He was 75. So what's Pshat? Is it a fair question? Fair yeah. question? So, again, are you going to have to take this off? <laughs> this is about the Parsha, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not, it's not, it's not, it's, it, we live in a very, very crazy world. Um, I heard the way it came out, it's fine. <laughs> I love Israel. I love Israel. So this is what I heard in the name of the girl. I didn't see it inside, but it makes so much sense. There's a thing called beauty, objective beauty, and then there's a thing called chen, which is subjective attraction. There are women who no matter how you cut it, the world would say, you bet, if you don't take this off. <laughs> okay, let me hear this. Okay. There are women, like when, when I was young, there was, there was somebody, Christy Brinkley, right? That she was considered in those days, like, you know, I think she's 90 now or something. But, but, but in those days, she was considered a supermodel, right? The supermodels, right? Even though some of them are not so attractive, I don't think. But, but the concept, the concept that, that this person is super, that, that's a supermodel. And then you have other people that, you know, like, I remember one guy, he wouldn't date anybody. He was looking for a 10. You remember the reference to he was a looking 10? For an 11. <laughs> Bo Derek. I don't know who Bo Derek was. I heard about this person. I never saw her. So, so apparently, there was this person, Bo Derek, and it was conceptually the idea that a 10 was like a, this guy wouldn't date anybody but a 10, whatever that meant. You should see what he married. That's all I'm going to say. The wine says the same story. Yeah. There's one guy. It's no, this guy really. I knew that this guy, it was unbelievable. Now, we once had one person. This is why you can't do this. There was this one guy that came to that Mrs. Brum. You know Mrs. Brum. You know Honey Brum? Anybody here? So, it's a very nice lady in the neighborhood, and for a, a number of years, she was the Shatchan by Hashivena. And she made a bunch of Shadokhim going back a number of years ago. And she told me that one guy once, a guy came into her and said that. I just want you to know I'm attractive to I'm attracted to heavy women. One time, and she said, "Don't worry, we have many." <laughs> and um, he got married. Anyway, uh, so going over here, so there's two. There's a thing called chen, which is an attraction, which is not necessarily physical. It could be because. You know, she spends her whole life working in Tomchei Shabbos. And you find that, or, 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 you know, taking care of dogs in a, in a, in a, in a, 
in an animal shelter, and you find that to be just so amazing. You know? Or if you're a cerebral nut, you know, she sits and reads poetry all day in the original Latin, <laughs> and you find that to be exciting. You know, yeah. it's exciting, you know? Yeah. You know, or... <laughs> I had a hard week, so I'm just in the mood. Okay. If, you, you know, you're, you're, you, you're part of the cast of, of, the, of The Office, and <laughs> therefore you find German to be <laughs> interesting, right? <laughs> Whatever. The white so, Yeah, <laughs> German means something to the guy. So, you know, so that's called Chaim. Beauty, Yifas Mara, is supermodel. Chain is where she, yes, she has something. Her nose is not perfect, but you find it to be interesting. You find it to be adorable. You know? It's the way it is. So the question was, he's married for 100 years. So it's 50 years, whatever it is. Avram Avinu's married. How do you know how do you know if your wife is really, really attractive or that it's not that, it's the chain, you know, that's mixed up in there. You've had children together. You, in this case, not. But, but I mean, you've lived your life together. You ran away from, from Nimrod together. You know, you've had a life together. You bought a house together. You had Con Ed turning out the electricity <laughs> together. You know, <laughs> you've done stuff. You've done stuff. You've traveled. You came at the right time. So how how do you how do you know how do you know what it is? Which one? You know how do you know? And at the same time, you got to be careful because you know you don't want to confuse it the other way. That you know, like you well, Avram Avinu wasn't thinking of younger women, but you you This was the point when he came to the midstream. And he knew that if she was objectively attractive, objectively a supermodel, objectively, they would kill him. Then that's when you have the clarity to know if it's chain or whether it's not chain. Whether what what is it? When the when the knife is against your neck, and the guy and and you know that okay, you could still love your wife. And you're not going to tell her she has to lose 10 pounds. You're not going home and saying, you know, I was thinking about it. And we're in the Egyptian, well, the Egyptians made me really think about whether you're really attractive or whether not. I don't know, but I think you should lose a little weight. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that. But, but that's the concept. That's the concept. It's just an, that was what I heard from the Gura. That Atiyadati ki isha yafas mara'at, I know now. Because when life and death comes on the line, then you everything else goes aside and you're able to have clarity about what truth is. Up until then, it's something it, it could be it could be confused, which is the way it should be. I think it's a message. Because those people who are looking for perfect tens, life doesn't work that way. Because even if you're looking for a ten when it comes to weight, you know. I mean I know it's shocking, but I gained weight since I was I got married when I was 25. I gained a few pounds. <laughs> you, okay, now turn it off. Turn it off, and we're going to start now again. Good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> okay, you want to hear something really crazy?
I heard this from Ariel Tabor. It's crazy. Um, who was here last night? Last night? Yeah, well, we were learning last night. Okay, so then I can repeat part of it. <laughs> it's very interesting, actually. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky was the uh, Rosh Hashiva of Tarvadas. What was, not the Rosh Hashiva, there, there were a number over the years, but he was the Rosh Hashiva before Rav Palm. He was actually the Rosh Hashiva before Rav Gedali, excuse me, Rav Gedali Yashor. Who's Rosh Hashiva? Big Tzadik, big, big Tzadik. He lived in Muncie. When he died at his Shiva call, this is one of the famous stories about him, at the Shiva call there were a number of nuns you know what a nun is? <laughs> a bunch of nuns came to the yeshiva call. The people said to him, said to, her, to the nuns, you know, they don't usually come to yeshiva calls. What are you doing here? And, he, and, and he, they said that it, they lived in Muncie. They had a, 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 a convent, I think? A convent. A convent. And they said that nobody else, would, no, none of the Orthodox Jews said hello to them. And he said hello every morning, whenever he would see them. And that's why they, they came. Yeah, interesting to hear. He's the big, big goggle, and that's... I heard him once tell us when he was asked if, you know, today we have bigger things to fry than UFOs and, you know, whether there's extraterrestrials and everything. But in the 1980s, that was a big deal. Every other TV show, Lost in Space, My Favorite Martian. Oh, aliens, yeah. uh, Alf. Alf. What about Mork and Mork. Mindy? Remember Mork and Mindy? Am I the only one who remembers Mork and Mindy? Go and look at Mork and Mindy. Um, it was a big thing. So a guy asked, I was there, a guy asked him if he believes in the possibility of uh, extraterrestrial life. And he said yes. And he, he, he quoted off like that. Well, not surprising. He uh, quoted the Pasuk in, in uh, Shiras Devorah, which is in Shoftim, where the Jews had just had a battle against Sisera, the king of Assyria. And the Pasuk says, that from the heavens they came to fight for the Jews. And then the next Pasuk says, Oru Meiros, cursed be Meiros. Sounds like Mars, but cursed be Meiros. And then it says, um, because they didn't come to fight. And Rashi says, it's a star. And the, I mean, there's two opinions. One says it's a star, one says it's a city. But it says, it, the, the, the opinion that says it's a star, because the inhabitants of the star did not come to help the Jewish people. And therefore, that's where Yaakov said that there could be extraterrestrial life. But he then said quickly, but they don't have a Torah, which means there's no freedom of choice. They're robotic, whatever, you know, whatever that means. So we don't know what's going on in Israel. We could be having UFOs coming down with the F-16s. So he said, Rav Yaakov said, I heard from his grandson, that Rav Yaakov said on this week's Parsha, that's, that's why I started up with Rav Yaakov, <clears throat> you know how you have the four kings and the five kings? Remember that? Four kings are fighting with the five kings. And whenever you learn about the four kings who are fighting with the five kings, Kedor Omer. There was another one, Malki Tzedek. I don't know who the other people Sido. Si well, you know it by heart, because yeah. you know everything about it. Come on, start <laughs> reading it. Say it, say it. <laughs> Whatever they are, 
you most of us are yoch melachosar. Are yoch, but most most of us when we get when we get to that section, we either fall yeah. asleep mm-hmm. or we don't think about it, right? Saying the four kings, the five kings, keeps listening. But we don't, you know, it doesn't resonate. You know what I mean? You tell a little kid the story about, about the, um, about the Basia Basparo that her hands went a hundred yards. The kids wake up, right? <laughs> four kings and the five kings. I don't know. Listen to this. This is crazy. Four kings and five kings. Why were they fighting? They were fighting about a Jew, Avram Avinu. That's what it was all about. So Rav Yaakov said that anytime you have a major war in the world, a major event, any, and he didn't say major, he said any event, is always, it's always about the Jewish people. Now, take that thought. Take that thought. And the reason it's written down in the Chumash is to teach you that the first world war, I went online, what is the definition of a world war? I mean, hey, they're talking about a world war all the time on the news media. I know you guys don't watch the news, but <laughs> if you ever did, they use the term world war. What is a world war? So there's two definitions. One is when you have three or more superpowers, major powers, who are battling with each other, and using modern technology, whatever that means, that's a world war. The other opinion is, according to Google, the other, the other is if you have multiple wars in different parts of the world, that's called, that could be called a world war. So Rav Yaakov was saying that the reason that you have it here tell, in the beginning is to tell you that any time there's a world war, because you had four or five kings, right? You have a world war, what's going on? Anytime you have a major war and an event, it's about a Jew. Now, let's take this further. My good friend Ariel Tavor goes and says, and what were they fighting about? Hostages. Right? They were fighting about a hostage, Lot. Now, let's get a little crazy, because that is all true. What I'm going to say now is accurate, but not true. Something could be accurate, but not true. When was uh, uh, when was uh, Avram Avinu born? 1948. Right, so that's accurate but not true, because it's not the Jewish number. We don't oh, go by the you know the, it's 1948 BCE before the Common Era uh, before yeah, the Common 1948 Era. 1948 of the Hebrew calendar. Yeah, the Hebrew calendar. Sure? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, then it's true. <laughs> uh, now, you ready for this? You ready for this? And I gotta be honest with you. That's he got it ready. Yeah, yeah, Somebody yeah. told you that already? I didn't see it. I didn't see it. He was seventy-five years old when there was this war. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what is nineteen forty-eight and seventy-five? Twenty twenty-three. Ooh. <laughs> that's 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 like a ready state. You've been waiting five years to get this to Bartoria. I didn't know about this. I had no idea yeah, about that. But I saw the I You saw that before? Yeah. Okay, so we can go home now. <laughs> okay. The okay. Other okay, so I what I want I have a few options here right now. We have a few options. What we could do is something very I think it's interesting. Let's do that. We have enough time. But at the end I do wanna I wanna do a piece of Kedusha slavery inside. Okay? 
Yeah, do you want to do the kedusha slate? Do you want to do the bigger piece first, or the smaller piece first? What do you want? What do you want? Whatever you bigger piece. Bigger piece. <laughs> okay. So the pasuk out of the, out of the blue. So out of the blue, the, it says, and I'm not making this up. The pasuk says. It says over here that when he built the tent, it says over here. I'll read it to you. Mentioned a bigger piece. <laughs> and Avram Avinu went to Basel, and it says over there, He went and he rebuilt the tent in the same place it was before. From here, the Gemara learns in Erechim that a person should always stay in the same hotel. You're supposed to stay in the same hotel, you're supposed to use the same person for things. Halachically, let's make believe you had a dentist. <laughs> let's make believe there, you know, some people don't believe in dentists. They yeah. think that dentists mm-hmm. are just quacks as a dentist. For sure. Some people sure. don't believe in dentistry. They believe in the good old fashioned of rope and a doorknob. <laughs> you wait until your door, the tooth gets really rotten and you just slam the door, right? Some it of the time. <laughs> I mean, Adam basically does. So <laughs> the halacha is the halacha is seriously that if a person is about to is a, a person is a moil, he's the moil, and he's available. We have to go and be. We have to be real. He's available, and the cost is not something that he went crazy. He used to charge a thousand dollars, and now he's charging ninety thousand dollars because he thinks he can get it. Uh, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's not crazy. Then you're obligated to use him again from this source. You don't, you're not allowed to change. And if you use the dentist, I imagine it's the same idea. Then you're not allowed to change. Why aren't you allowed to change? Where does this come from? This comes from this person. But what is wrong with changing hotels? Let's start with, since the source is about a hotel, so what's wrong with changing hotels? I'm, we're not, again, America's a little different because, you know, you want to go, you're in the Hilton, you want to try the Omni, you know, whatever, you know, that, but in the days when people had, like, their, their inns, and people go to the inn, why do you have to go to the same person? Why do I have to go back to my same dentist? Unless, God forbid, he decides to shoot Novocaine or not to shoot <laughs> right? He's cheap. All of a sudden, he's not given enough Novocaine. Oh, you're awake. I didn't now, but why is that? Seriously, why? What's the reason logically? Because you're going to make someone else assume that this is wrong. Right. You're going to, people will start saying. I don't know, Zach Atkinson used to go to Mermelstein. He doesn't go anymore. I don't know. We should find out why he's not going anymore. That, that's, it's, uh, people are like that. People are like that. And, but it, always, it comes back to haunt you. It really, really comes back to haunt you. You know, especially when it comes to car mechanics. A lot of times people, you know, you have a relationship with a mechanic. And he's charging you, let's make up a number for a muffler system. You know, like three, four, three hundred dollars, and then you see an ad online by Jiffy Mufflers for one fifty, and you say, "I'm going over there." You know, I'm going over there. You know, save the hundred fifty bucks. Well, first of all, 
you need a, you need a good mechanic anyway. The relationship, it's important to have somebody around. Okay, so sometimes people charge a little bit more, but it's a relation, it's all about relationships. But also when you go to these other places, you know, they might not use the, 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 the enamel bond that you use because you're a quality dentist. They might be like skimping to save some money, you know? Or the mechanic. Or the mechanic. Oh, <laughs> what are you talking about? He puts the car up on the lift. He puts the car up on the lift. There used to be a place called the Wizard of Cars. Do you remember anybody here? A long time? Were you here? Have you lived in the neighborhood a long time? There was a place where Moo and Brew, uh, that's the food store, the fruit place on 76. So there used to be a mechanic there. He was called the. He was called the uh, I just mentioned it. Uh, the wizard of, wizard cars. of cars. What a wizard. <laughs> he found problems that didn't exist. It was unbelievable. <laughs> you know, and by the way, it, with the guy I, I the Gulf Station, I'm telling you this because you have to be careful. I know about cars. So he doesn't screw me. Oh, my buddy is here. Oh, everybody, come on. This is Jonathan, all the way from Westchester. So this is the truth. I mean, you gotta be careful with this guy. He fixes the car okay. He He's does a him. decent job. But he is, A, overpriced. But the bigger problem is, it doesn't need to be fixed. I know about, you know, brakes. He, he tried, they tried to get me there recently. My daughter went in for an inspection, looked at the brakes, said you need a whole, first of all, you don't have to change rotors every time you change brake pads. But it didn't need new brakes. You know what I'm saying? You, you know... So it's a very important thing to stay with where you are. And, there's, and it has halachic ramification. There's a famous story, a very, very famous story with Rubzelig Epstein. You know the story with Rubzelig? Anybody here? Which one? And then I'm going to do the Gemara inside for a minute. So there was a, a butcher in Muncie going back about 10 years ago. The butcher that trafed up the entire Muncie. You remember that guy? He had a long beard, he looked very firm, uh -huh. but he was, it was all trade. It was all trade. And half of months he had a kosher all the kalim, and it was terrible. So this, uh, so Rabbi Epstein was Rosh of of Shar Torah. And they were buying, I don't know who they used as a butcher, whoever it was. Whoever it was. And they were paying a lot of money. And this butcher from Muncie came and offered a deal that was far superior financially to what Sharatar was paying. And Rubzelik said, the halacha is that you're not supposed to change unless there's like a real reason. And I don't think that this is a real reason. And he didn't, he didn't change. Okay, so we're going to do the Gemara inside. I made copies. <clears throat> we all know this Gemara, but just because we know it doesn't mean... By the way, about Avramavino, because we're not going to have enough time to go too much about him. You know, I didn't realize this, but did you know that Shaman Aver outlived Avraham? Did anybody know that? No. Okay. First of all, that's where Yaakov Avraham, Yaakov Avinu went there, Yaakov. no? Shem, uh, well, Shem they went to Yaakov, that's right. He, they lived, he, 
No, first of Ava all, lived long later. He was the young one. First of all, this is really crazy. This is really, really crazy. How the this book has all this stuff in it over here. Um, is Huh? No, no. This is a history book. What's really interesting is that Abraham, Abraham, had a communication with Shem. They they overlapped. Avram was born in 1948, and Shem dies in 2058. So Avram communicated and knew all about firsthand, all about the marvel. Not like from a storybook. He, you know, he he was there with him. You know, not only that, but Avram, the 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 Tower of Babel took place in 1996. And Avram was born again in 1948. So that would make him 150 years... How, how does that go? He was, he's born he's in 1948. 48. Yeah, nineteen forty-eight. So he was 48 years old when the Tower of Babel took place. So he saw of that. When we think of... Was still alive. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, just an interesting little, little piece of information. Okay. Fun fact for the day. Uh, if you want to pass this around, we're talking now about the famous story of Nachum Ishgamzu. Why are we doing Nachum Ishgamzu? Is this from Tainus? Yes. Oh, I know what that is. When they cut off his arms and legs, I know. No, what we're doing the next story, though. Yeah, oh. they're both together. The treasure. But the treasure. Because we're going to do that. That's the reason the for it. Because I just did this whole masak, That's it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going to do this inside. The innkeeper okay. dies. Okay. That, 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 that. Erase that, erase that. It's okay, it's okay. Okay. Actually, I, I... Okay. Okay, so it's uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 13 lines from the bottom. They're talking about this tzaddik Nachomish Gamzu. From a historical point of view, his name was Gamzu because he lived in a little town which is near uh, uh, Beit Shemesh called Gamzu. There's a place called, there's a place that's where he was from. But there's a plan, but there's a plan words about him. He was one of the Rebbeim of Rabbi Akiva. Okay? Uh, Rabbi Akiva had more than one Rebbe. One was Rabbi Shmuel, one was Rabbi Eliezer, Ben Herkinus, but he also, uh, Nachamish Gamzu was also a Rebbe. But my Korele Nachamish Gamzu, why did they call him Nachamish Gamzu? Again, not just because of where he lived, but let's understand a little deeper over here. The Chomilsa, the Havi Sokule, anything that happened, anything that happened, Amar Gamzu Latova. He said, you know what? This too is for the good. He was beyond an optimist. And I think an optimist is somebody that looks at things and gives it an optimistic spin. But I think even an optimist has his down days. You know? I think. Not Nachamish Gamzu. <laughs> There's no such thing as a down day. He was like me. I think so. We should change your name to yeah, yeah. Israeli Gamzu. Israel Gamzu. He likes that. He likes that. Okay, so so Zimnochada, 
We'll be done by eleven, maybe eleven oh five. But it's not too late. Today. We're doing. Oh. We're learning in the schus of all the soldiers. Oh, By the way, just for the record, we have no uh, my we friend who Dobbins here. We his uh, we're talking. Michael Fader has two children who are in, in combat. One has already had kills. He's a um, he's a, a sniper in the south. His name is Nathan Ben Maya Miriam. And his sister is in Hebron, which is also a, a hard, hard place to be in the front in the lines over there. Her name is Batsheva Bas Maya Miriam. So we should have everybody involved. But my also cousin's husband, Yitzhak uh, Ben Malka, and Yaniv Yaakov Ben Zahava. Um, Amen. They should, he, he Yehuda, should be. Yehuda a Yehuda Ben. Allegria. They should all be healthy, along with all the other soldiers. Moshe Shlomo Ben Amen. He should be healthy, and and we should have everybody in mind. And if we learn a few extra minutes, you know, so Zim Nechada. So it happened one time. Baal Lishtui Yisrael Darum LeBeKezar. The Jews had to bring a gift to the Caesar. You know, like there's always bribery. It's always been around. Except, you know, sometimes they call it uh, tax benefits. <laughs> so, <laughs> something, you know, sometimes you get caught. You know, I don't know. But the bottom line, they had to give Caesar something. You got to give Caesar what is Caesar's, you know? So here's the problem. Here's the problem. Amru Manet Yeza, who are we going to send? You know, if Caesar gets upset with you, then they don't give you a fine that you can then go to court and argue that you shouldn't have to pay the fine. They just cut your head off, good old-fashioned style. So the Chacham didn't know who should they send. So they say, You know what? We're going to send Nachum. Because he, he knows all about miracles. So if he needs a miracle, he's the man. Who, what are they going to do? They're going to send me and you. We don't know anything about miracles. He knows how to, you know, he knows how to make the miracles. I didn't mean you. Maybe you could make miracles. <laughs> so they um, gave him a treasure chest filled with uh, beautiful stones and uh, pearls. Also, Bas Bahudira. He went and he. Um, Went to an inn and he went to bed. Balila kamu hanoch diuri. So in the middle of the night, the people who had the um, the innkeeper, the innkeeper. So what did they do? What do you think they did? They see this Jewish guy with a long beard. They figure he doesn't know anything about the world anyway, and they see he probably probably asked them what is this, and they said I have to go to the Caesar, you know. <clears throat> So what do they do? They emptied the chest. They filled it up with dirt. It's an interesting thing. I was thinking about this. Why did they just leave it empty? So they wouldn't notice right away. Yeah, but you notice. If it weighs the same. You know, Indiana Jones also swapped. Okay, so you think that that's what they did. That it was like equal weights. Okay. The next day, when he sees the dirt, see, I would, 
I, I, I mean, I don't know what I would do. Omar, Gamzulatayva. So he says, it's going to be good. I don't know what's going to be, but if this happened, and God knows what God's doing, so this is good. See, I, I, I certainly would not continue going to the Caesar. Kimoto Hassam, so he goes to the Caesar, and he gets there. Sharina Lisifta, they open up the chest, because it's supposed to be this beautiful the gift from the Jewish nation to Caesar. Chaznuk de Afra, they see it's full of dirt. So what do you think the king thought about that? Was he a woke king and said, you know what, we need dirt here, and it must be that this is a nice thing that the children can play with. Is that what we think, that the, the Caesar was a woke Caesar? I don't think so. So, by the way, this, this, is, this war is really not good for the woke people. Nobody's really interested in having men who are women in the middle of a war, you know? So, so the king wanted to kill everybody, all the Jews. This is it. You know, like you need an event which allows the anti-Semitism to come out. I mean, let's say the Jews brought a pail of, a chest of dirt to the king. And I'm sure the rabbi would have said, somebody could say, it was stolen, I didn't know. Is that legitimate grounds to, to kill the entire Jewish nation? For the Caesar it was. Is it legitimate grounds that, that all these crazy people who see that the, the, the Jews had their livers and, and hearts ripped out? I, mean, I don't want to talk about what they were doing over there. Is it legitimate to, to be pro-Palestinian when you're LGBTQ and in a minute you get, I go there for a week? We should collect money for all these people for a vacation in Gaza City and see what happens. You know, they'll kill them. They'll kill them in a second. But you just need an excuse. The Gemara, I think that's what one of the messages in this Gemara is that the anti-Semite just needs a little excuse. So he's got an excuse. He's going to kill all the Jewish people. Jonathan, you wanted to say something. And there was, I saw a video the other day of uh, the rainbow flag and the Palestinian uh, protest. Yeah. LGBT yeah. for a free Palestine. Yeah. They beat him down. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So, Omar, so the King Caesar said, The Jews are making fun of me. They're making fun of me. Can't put up with that. So, what does he say? This too is for the good. Everything is for the good. I'll say Leo. So Leo is going to come because he's going to save the day. Because it's a little problem here. The Jews are going to be killed. So Nochem Gamzu is positive and sees the positive light. But at the end of the day, the Jews are going to be killed. So Leo is so interesting because we have in our tradition about Elio Hanavi coming and saving the day. So Admi so he comes dressed up like an Arab. Not an Arab, I'm sorry, like a Roman, one of the Roman uh, uh, dignitaries, uh, one of the senators. One of them. 
Amrle, he says to Caesar, you know, the Jews, you got to be careful with them. They come up, sometimes they have good ideas. They're very smart people. They're crafty. Maybe this is uh, the super sand that turns into spears. Maybe this is the sand that missiles are created out of. Because everybody knows the Jews are on top of their game when it comes to warfare. Right? That's our specialty. It became a specialty if you think about it. You know, who uh, 50 years ago, 20 years, not 20 years ago, who did 50 years ago, did we know that we'd be able to have such an armament situation? It's unbelievable, right? This is going back to the way Jews used to be. When Shlomo David Amelech had Yudke Vavke on his sword and he cut your head off, you know? Again, we're getting back to the, to the prophets of the, the way it was. It's all part of Michelle stuff. So, in reference to the sand of Avram, the when Avram would throw sand at the at the at the enemy, it turned into missiles, swords. Gili, when he threw it into the air, it turned into arrows. So now, the Gemara says. Havichad Medina, so there was a country, the Lamotula Michbesha, that the Romans were not able to conquer. By the way, there was another country, he does the Gemara doesn't talk about it, but the Medrash tells us that the Romans, there was one country that they couldn't fight against. This over here is about a country that the Romans were not able to win, but there was another country that the Romans could not fight against. And that was because their army was composed of women. And they said, if we make battle against the country, then all the other nations are going to say, okay, what kind of army do you have? You're fighting against women. And that's a, look, at the, look at the Romans. And now they're just, they're just beating up women. <laughs> and if they lose to the women... Well, how does that look? <laughs> so therefore they decided not to fight and it was like a neutral country. It's an interesting approach, by the way. Yeah. So they tested the dirt and it worked. So they went to the... Uh, they brought Nachem Ishgamzu into the big treasure tre- treasury. They filled it up with, with uh, what do they call it? Um, uh, precious stones and 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 uh, you know, jewels and pearls. Veshalivikorab and they gave him a lot of honor when he left. It's pretty crazy. Ki also So when Nachum and his when when they went back. They stayed at the same place. Now that's to me interesting. See, I don't know. I, I just because I'm learning this Gemara with everybody doesn't mean I understand it. I don't understand it. I don't understand why he went back to the same place. But he obviously did because that's what you're supposed to do. But I would think I that this would be a reason. Why wouldn't you think it's a reason not to go back? Well, but maybe, but maybe you see from here. No, there's still a value going back. Just be more careful. I, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I mean, he saw he saw the mace, so he said maybe it's 
Oh, maybe it's Kiddush Hashem. He's going to go back. Because Amulei, they said to him, my Isa Behanach, what did you bring to Caesar? Because they knew that they filled it up with sand. They were sure he was going to, he was a dead man walking, right? And instead, he's coming back. So they say to him, what did you bring to Caesar? So he's very cryptic. He says, the Abdel, uh, no, they said, the Abdullah Yikar Kulhai, that what you bring that they gave, they gave you such honor because they were sure he was going to be dead and instead he's coming back. So he says cryptically, my deshakli mihacha, what I took from here, amati lahasam, I brought over there. <laughs> That's what he says. So he's not lying, but he want, but but he's sitting there, there, um, there. What's it called when you get caught? Uh, Interim. No, yeah. when you get caught, a uh, trap. He's, he just set a trap. Because, they, you know, and it's more fun to see them getting trapped. Because if he would say that, uh, I don't know what he would say, but that's what he said. So, they immediately demolished their home, right? And they took all the rubble to the king's palace. They, they took everything. Amrulay, and they said to Caesar, You should know that all the sand that that rabbi took is our sand. We got the goods. What do you think happened? They tested it. It didn't work. The Katlina and they just, the king cut, you know, killed them. That was the other story. I, I don't understand on the per- I don't understand why he went back. Again, maybe it's a Kiddush Hashem issue. Maybe we maybe it's a message point. to tell you that you really have to use the same and be careful about it, you know. But it's really that important that we don't go shopping all the time, all the time. You know, there's people. Anybody here in the Diamond industry. Anybody here? You know, I've seen people. My grandfather. Is he still alive? Oh, no. Okay. But I've seen people in the diamond industry that were so used, they're so used to humbling that they, they can't do anything, but they have to do it. They need to handle. And it becomes, a, that means bargain. And it's like a sick way to live. It's a sick way to live, you know? You have to be able in life not to. Maybe, maybe that's the message that you, you have your place. Be careful. I don't know. Anybody have any feeling about any? Impact? Maybe you just saw there was such a big maze that maybe Hashem really wants them to be there. Maybe. Maybe that's it. <laughs> that brings you to the Kedusha's Lady. It's very short. Can we do it? It's five minutes? Okay. I saw a cute play on wedding, and as I was going there, it was very, very difficult. Uh, it's hard to get, the roads are, it's, it's confusing. But more than that, I was really scared. And um, when I left, I had some people walk me to where my car was. I was afraid, you know. But obviously, I had to go there. I had to go to Patterson. 
Now the Baal Shem Tov said, I'm not sorry, I'm sorry, not the Baal Shem Tov, but Rav Nachman said that when you go on a business trip, you should be head to some far off land, you should be happy because you could have been going there in chains and, uh, you know, locked up, locked in chains. What does that mean? So my brother, my brother was manufacturing shaitals in Korea. This goes back about 30 years ago. And right after he got married, he started manufacturing wigs in Korea for a little bit. And he went to the Babacher Rebbe. So he was on his way to go to Korea and for to, to, to the, one of the factories there. And he went to the Rebbe for a bracha. And the Rebbe said that when you go there, you should make sure to do some mitzvah. So my brother, when he was there, he connected with the chaplain of the big American army base in South Korea. Okay. So I thought that that was the story that the Rebbe just wanted him to do a mitzvah. But then when you learn what Rav Nachman was saying, which was that you think you're going to Korea because of a business deal, but the real reason you're going to Korea is because you have a, there's a nitsuts, there's a spark of holiness that needs to be revealed or activated, whatever term you want to use, by you, by your neshama, and you've got to do it. But you're not going to do it without a business deal, otherwise why the heck would you go to South Korea? Or to or China, or to Patterson, New Jersey. <laughs> Why would you go? You're not gonna go there. It's really ugly. You're not gonna go there. But there's a wedding, so you go to the wedding because you know. And then you had to say hello to somebody who was working at the uh, at this at this wedding hall, and you had to get there because that was your shlichus that God wanted. You don't know, but that's what it had to be. So therefore, there's a vehicle called a wedding which gets you to go there. There's a vehicle called a shaitel company, a company that's manufacturing shaitels that's getting you to Korea. There's a vehicle called the Rocky Mountains which is getting you to go to Denver to see something or meet somebody <coughs> and do it. So, so that the world is not as small as we look at it but rather much, much more interconnected. So with that in mind, let's learn the Kedusha's label. And you'll see he says something just about this. He says over here where I put a big check. It says in the Pasuk that Hashem says to Avram, go to yourself. Lecha means to you. It's always translated go for you, but it really means to you. May from your land. What does that mean? This is a big fundamental principle. Wherever you're going, you're going to your source. Wherever you're spending your day, sometimes we get very aggravated. I had a day like that today. I, I tell you the truth. First, I heard on the news, I shouldn't have done this. I, I'm, it wasn't. I mean, I've done some bad things, but this wasn't in that category. I, 
I put on the, my phone my phone and I saw that you could watch the uh, the UN. So I did for five minutes. First, I heard the Israeli ambassador, and he was so graphic about what they did. I had to turn it off. I, I couldn't listen because I, I I couldn't I couldn't listen. You know, I'm sure you guys have heard enough graphic stuff. So if you haven't, there's a lot out there. Dan, there's a lot of graphic stuff. So then, because I couldn't handle that, I put on Dancing Soldiers, right? Dancing Jewish Soldiers, Israeli Soldiers. <laughs> but then you get FOMO. And you feel bad. You know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. Yeah, fear of missing out, because I want to be in Israel. Yeah. So I got really miserable about that. I got really, and I started crying. I really started crying. Because on one side, if I listen to the terrible stuff, I can't, I, can't, I can't function. So then you put the happy stuff on, and you say, and what am I doing here? Because I spent this morning, I had to do some paperwork about some stupid statistics. And I'm saying, you know what I mean? Like, nothing to do with Hashivan. That's my other job. You know, what are you doing? But that's not the truth. Because the truth is that whatever you do, Wherever you're going, it's to your shorish. You have to be where you have to be, right? Ki bivada bi oso because certainly in the place where he is, ye shorosho. Where you are is where you have to be, because that's where your shorish is. Vitzorich lalos osen hanetsutsos. And you have to elevate those specific sparks that are located specifically where you are. Whatever the reason is, there's something about this building. I don't know if this is accurate or not. I once heard an Israeli non-religious, well, not religious, an Israeli tour guide say that when the base, again, I don't know if there's any truth to this, but it's an interesting idea that wherever there is a synagogue, or a, she didn't say yeshiva, but let's say synagogue, when the Beis Hamikdash was burning and the ashes went into the sky and into the atmosphere, a cinder fell down, and then the place became a base medrash or a shul. I don't know if it's true. I have no idea. It's interesting why this building over here, right next to this Mr. Ben over here. It's an interesting thing, you know. But for some reason, we're sitting here and we're learning tonight. So there's the Tutsis. The so yeah, I would like to be in Israel right now. I'd like to get on a plane and go straight to Israel and go to the hotel and then bring boxes of food to the soldiers down in Ashkelon, and I'm talking big because then when the air, when the sirens are going, I'll be running in to the bathroom, and you you, you, you it's okay to leave that. But you, but you know you know what I'm saying, you know. But that's what he's saying over here. That's why it says you should go levadcha. Lechacha is in the singular term. It, even though he's with his wife. Right? And it, with all the other, all, all the people with him, it's the levadcha, the shoroscha. You gotta go and elevate your, your, your shorish, lalos osen and nitsutsos, and elevate those nitsutsos. Okay, now after that, he talks about the difference that Aaron and Shmuel did not have to, because they were clothes of Kol Yisrael. I don't know what that means. 
but at least they know the first part, so that's better than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, no? Uh, now we're done. <laughs> <laughs> but 